passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is, Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Everybody out there, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, and we, I've got an awesome show for you guys today. It's kind of meaty. I hope you're ready for a big old Jesus sandwich because it's kind of meaty today. Uh, I'm going to be sharing with you 432 scriptures, not, not really, but kind of meaty. It's so funny, you guys. Okay, I have to tell you because you're all my best friends out there. I just got this new phone and it's, <laughs> the camera's so good. And you can see every single one of my wrinkles. And I'm like, you know, 40. So I've kind of got insecurity about that. But I I keep looking and I'm like, oh my gosh, Autumn. Anyway, I need to get some good cream or something. Anyways, that's not what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) We're going to talk about Jesus. Big old Jesus. And I've got a lot of stuff to say. Um, so this week, my son, my six-year-old son, Moses Miles, um, let me tell you something about my son, Moses. Um, I'm obsessed with him, of course. This kid is so amazing. I can't even. He's so smart. Okay. So we get his report card back from school and it's like, he's in kindergarten and now it's at the end of kindergarten, but he like months ago was like at a first grade level reading and we're my Eddie and I could not be more proud of our little munchkin Moses. Um, but he is so intrigued by the craziest things, the things that you would not think a six-year-old is intrigued by. Okay. So he watches blue planet. He's obsessed with blue planet. Um, and if you don't know what blue planet is, I really don't know what it is either. <laughs> Cause I don't watch it. Uh, but he watches it. It's all about like the oceans and the fish and, you know, dolphins and sharks. Like he's obsessed like his mom with the ocean, but I don't, I just like to go and sit on the beach and he likes to learn about it. <laughs> and so he was really, really obsessed with that a couple of years ago. And he like loves the discovery channel and he loves, um, you know, everything where you learn, he loves. He has recently, I would say in the last year, he has gotten really interested in history. It's so crazy. You guys, <laughs> Anything historical, he's he's six. He is six years old. Anything historical, he is interested in. Like we went to the Alamo um, in Texas, and he's very interested in the Alamo and what happened at the Alamo and all this kind of stuff. And so I am also a huge history buff. I love it. I love to learn. I love to learn about what happened, um, with the different, you know, wars that we fought and all that kind of stuff. It's, um, I love to go and just, I'm always the person that puts on the headphones at those historical sites and like listens through what the narrator says. And Eddie, every time I'm like, we should rent some headphones. He's like, oh my gosh, Autumn, we're going to be here forever. Uh, but Moses is following in my footsteps. And so this weekend I had a really busy weekend, but I notice on like Sunday afternoon, he's been carrying around this book for like several days. Okay. 
And he sits on our stairs and he looks at this book and he's reading this book and he like thumbs through the chapters. Well, on Sunday afternoon, Eddie had sat him down and was like talking to him about the pictures. Like, what does this picture mean? And all this kind of stuff. Well, come to find out, I tried to be like, do you want to do something else besides read this book? This sounds really, really bad. I am very pro education, guys. But I'm like, you want to you want to go outside? Like you want to ride your bike or you know, whatever. And um, he's like, no, I want to read this book. Come to find out, it is some sort of old encyclopedia about the wars that have taken place. He is obsessed with them. Okay. He wants to know about the planes and like all of this stuff that this book really sort of educates you on. It's super fascinating. He's been carrying around this book for three days. And when I asked to take it from him, he said, no, mom, um, I don't want you to take it from me. So he still has the book. It's an old book that my husband's dad actually gave my husband. And, um, I just got to thinking about his little sponge-like mind that is so open to, he just wants to learn. He just wants to know. He just, he's got so many questions and um, a lot of them I can't answer, but I do the best that I can. And if I can't answer it, I Google it, you know? Um, But I just, I was actually very inspired by his, my six-year-old son's hunger for knowledge. And I thought to myself, you know, what would the world look like if we were little six-year-old Moseses hungering for knowledge, the knowledge of Christ, just like he is hungering for the knowledge of this little encyclopedia about you know, the, these events that have taken place in our world. I just, I was very inspired by him. And I think there is a childlike wonder that we're missing right now. There's a childlike hunger for knowing the things of Jesus, learning the things of Jesus that we're missing right now. Everything is so like uh, revolutionary to him. It's revelatory. Like we'll we'll say this happened. And he's like, really? That happened? And I just want to challenge you, those of you that feel like you're kind of um, maybe, I don't know, complacent, whatever, ask the Lord to give you that childlike wonder and hunger for the things of him because you will never learn all there is to know about the Lord. I don't care who you are. Um, you're never going to fully be able to grasp the fullness of who he is until maybe one day we're in heaven. So, um, anyway, I was just really inspired by that. And I thought I'd share that little story with you. I want you guys to stay tuned. Okay. After the break, we are going to talk about faith again, and we are going to talk about how When you step out in faith, you step out with a community and it's very encouraging message and it's going to be a meaty one. So um, get ready for some meat after the break. I'll see you in a sec. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers, but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? 
Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, we're back after the break. Um, so I'm on this this uh, faith kick, this faith journey. I really felt like God wanted me to uh, share about faith. That's kind of what I've devoted this month to um, in the ministry. And so here's the thing, you guys. Faith is intimidating. Can I just like tell you, I know it's intimidating. I know when God asks you to do something, it's absolutely terrifying most of the time and you don't want to do it. I totally get it. Faith is intimidating. Faith can feel um, like it's super, super, so complex because we always want to know why. We always want to know how things are going to happen. Our human brain wants it to make sense before we do it. Well, guess what? If God gave us all those answers, it wouldn't be faith, you guys. It would not be faith, okay? Um, So I want to talk to you about the security of faith the security of faith. Because I know that some of you guys out there are like, I don't want to step out in faith. What if I look stupid? Well, guess what? You might. Okay. Just come to terms with the fact that you might look stupid to other people. I don't want to step out in faith because what if it risks this? Well, faith is a risk. Okay. You have to trust the Lord. Um, I don't, I don't want to step out in faith because I'm so scared. What if it doesn't fall into place the way I want it to? Well, guess what? It's probably not. It's probably going to fall into place the way God wants it to, not the way you want it to. It seems so complex. It seems so intimidating. And it is. I totally get it. I feel the same exact way, but here's the deal guys. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith engages a God to do things that he ordinarily would not do without it, period. The Bible says, uh, without faith, it is impossible. It is not possible to please the Lord. You literally cannot please the Lord without faith. So knowing that, Knowing that faith pleases the Lord and faith is what we sort of uh, pay in currency to heaven to see the the miracles here on earth. When we see that faith engages a God to do incredible things, it should change your perspective on faith. It is possible to please God with faith. I want to tell you this. When God asks you to step in faith, there is a security in that step that you will not find in any other step. There is a certainty that God is going to um, be the floor beneath your foot, 
There is a security. Uh, there is a certain protection there that God gives you when he asks you to do something. And when you follow, there's a certain uh, protection that he provides for you in order to do that. It doesn't seem like faith is secure. It doesn't seem like faith is stable. It seems to the human perspective like it's stupid at times. However, if I was the enemy, I would want you to believe that your faith step is stupid. Because whatever God is for, Satan is against. And whatever God is in, Satan is against. He wants to tempt you to believe that that faith step that God is asking for you is careless. So if I was the enemy, I would tempt you to back out of it because from a human standpoint, it just looks careless. But I'm telling you what today, when God asks you to step out in faith, there is a security that even the enemy does not want you to know about. Okay? Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All sorts of different verses say this differently, but I like this version the best. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is more than a hoping. It's a certainty. I know that God has asked me to do this. And because I know God has asked me to do this, I'm going to trust him with what the process looks like. I know. God is in this for my family, in this move, in this decision, in this change of jobs, in this relationship. I know it. I know. Faith to me is a knowing. It's not a hoping. It's a knowing. I know for a fact that God has asked me to do something. Therefore, I'm going to do it and I'm going to trust God with what happens. Uh, Charles Stanley, um, I used to listen to his I guess it was radio show for years, every single day. And I loved him. He's so, um, such a, a legend of the faith. Uh, but he put it like this, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. It's so, so simple. I loved it every time he said that. Cause I'm like, it's like a grandpa that's telling me just obey God Autumn, and leave the consequences to him. In that vein, uh, we can say, I know that I know that I know that God has asked me to do something. I'm not going to waver because of my sight. I'm going to trust that if God has asked me to do it, because I know that he has, he is going to protect me, secure me, secure it for me. Okay. So there is a security with stepping out. Faith is knowing God's going to do something for me, even though the forecast or even though what it looks like on the outside looks like it's foolish. Okay. I want to take you guys to Daniel chapter three. Now you may know this. It is a very, very familiar story, but there are certain things that I want to pull out about our friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. This is a story that it's not fake, you guys. It is in the scripture. Uh, we believe, I know that the scripture is true. It is factual. And I, I want you guys to know that this is something that actually happened, okay? If you're listening to me, you believe the Bible is true, okay? Um, when this story happened, 
and I'm going to read it for you in a second. These men were faced with two tactics from the enemy that are effective. These men were faced with two hardcore tactics. The two tactics of the enemy to get you from stepping out in faith are number one, fear, and number two, intimidation. He threw every single arrow he could at them to make them be so scared that they would back out of the challenge or wouldn't make them to be so intimidated that they backed out of the challenge, okay? Um, He threw all the tactics at them, but they did not cave. Now, listen, I want to read you this story, and I'm going to read it because it is the word of God. And, and, you know, it may be a story from our childhood, but it is so good that I want to, uh, to revisit it today. Let's start in Daniel 3, okay? Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Nebuchadnezzar was really full of himself, you guys. He was like all about, all about big Neb. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar was all about himself. The height of it was 60 cubits and its width was six cubits. He set it up on a plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent word to the assemble, to assemble, oh my goodness, I can't read, the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the rulers of the provinces to come to dedicate the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So they came. They all came. Okay, that's what the next verse says. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, to you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. So Nebuchadnezzar gathered all these people together. And he's like, I did something so awesome. I want all these people to come see what I did. Okay. The Herald says this. At the moment, verse 5, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. You're going to worship this guy. You thought you were coming here for, you know, tea and cake. You thought you were coming here for, you know, Starbucks. You thought you were coming here for a nice coffee, a nice cookout, a nice potluck. Nope. That's not why you came. You came to bow down to worship this golden image. Verse six, but whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at the time when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples of the nations of men of every language, this is everybody. They're all in unison. They know what the consequences are. They said this, they fell down and they worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Everybody did it. Everybody did it because they were so scared not to do it. It's really interesting when you, you're like, and I'm sure they were excited. Like, oh, we're invited by the king. Wow. It must be really, really special. And then when we get there, it's like you bow down and worship this, or basically you're going to die today. You choose. What do you want? Okay. Moving on. Verse eight. For this reason, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. 
They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, king, live forever. King, you made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire. And then they go on. There are certain Jews who you have appointed over the administration. Now, these were leaders, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were leaders. They weren't like just some random person on the side of the driveway, okay? These were like actually major people in the administration. And they said this, of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have disregarded you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring them before him. Nebuchadnezzar responded when they got there, I'm ad-libbing here, and said, Is it true? Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, I'm going to give you another chance. Look how gracious I am. I'm going to give you another chance. If you're ready, I'm going to have everybody play. And then you can bow down and we'll just show them. We'll, we'll, we'll show the people that came in to rat you out. Okay, we're going to show them that you actually, you know, do respect my edict or whatever. He said, now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the image that I've made very well. But if you don't worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the fire. And what? God is there who can deliver you out of my hands. I almost feel like that was a challenge to God by Nebuchadnezzar. God was listening. He was engaged. He saw what was happening. He saw what Nebuchadnezzar was challenging these boys to do. What God is there. Sounds a lot like Goliath when he was talking to David and how he intimidated the Israelites for 40 days. Who's going to come take me? What did David do? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that taunts the armies of the living God? That was David's response. And guess who killed Goliath? My boy, David. Nebuchadnezzar challenged God in this moment. And God was about to make a point. Here we go. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, replied to Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter. I love how like, nah, we're basically not going to answer your question. We're going to disregard it. But they said this, if it be so, our God who we serve is able he is able. Let me correct you, King Nebuchadnezzar. You just said what God can deliver you. Let me tell you something about my God. He is able. He is able. He is. He is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. You know that just irked Nebuchadnezzar. Excuse me. 
excuse me. Verse 18, and this is one that songs have been written about for years, but even if he does not, we want to tell you something. It says, let it be known, but in modern language, they would be like, we want to tell you something. Okay. Then we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Regardless. I sit here and I, I look at these men and I'm, um, you know, blown away by just their audacity. Still inspired today, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, um, by these three men that faced death, 100%, intimidation, 100%. They were standing before the king who had all the power to do whatever he wanted to do to do to them. The intimidation was real. The fear must have been through the roof, but listen to how succinctly, how beautifully, how articulately they responded to him. Our God is able. And you can throw us in and he'll deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to do it. That is faith. We know God doesn't want us to bow down. So we're not. Period. This was not, um, you know, this didn't make Nebuchadnezzar happy. <laughs> he wasn't impressed. But let me tell you whose attention these three boys got. He was frustrated. And incredibly angry. But someone else was incredibly pleased. I don't think we understand, you guys. We cater to the world. We cater to the fears. We cater to the intimidation. And we may please the people down here on earth, but there is someone who is not pleased by it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I didn't write it. God did. It's almost like, who are you going to please? The naysayers in your life that say, don't take that job because it, it looks really stupid. Or the God that says, take that job and I'm going to walk you through the process. Nebuchadnezzar was enraged, but God was so glorified and so honored that he was about to shut Nebuchadnezzar's mouth forever. Who? Do you want to please? If they would have caved, they would have gotten Nebuchadnezzar's cheers and applause. But because they didn't, they got heavens. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. <laughs> he was mad before. Now he's like, you know, throwing tables and probably scepters and goblets and grapes. Okay. Uh, his facial expression was altered. His facial expression was altered. Why is that funny to me? I don't really know. His facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he went from, you guys going to, I'm going to help you out, to, oh, y'all in trouble now, okay? Um, and he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was heated usually. Okay. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were with his army to tie up. I love that he tied them up. I don't love that he tied them up. I just think it's interesting what happened because I know the rest of the story. 
He tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the burning fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew the men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But who did it not kill? Who did it not kill? It killed the men that sided with Nebuchadnezzar. It did not kill the men that sided with God. There is a security that is in faith. It doesn't look like it's secure. It looks like it's terrifying. It looks like it's going to get the best of you. But there is a security. And those men probably knew right at that moment, before they were even tossed into the fiery furnace, they probably knew right then that they were going to be all right. They probably knew because you know, everyone's like, well, why did, it slow, why did it kill those men? And it didn't kill the three that are actually headed towards the fire. Why did it kill them? Because they were made up of the same stuff. They're made up of flesh, skin, bones, everything. But it didn't touch them. So they probably were encouraged even in that moment. Don't you think? I would have been. The men that sided with Nebuchadnezzar faced consequences. And the three men in the entire land that sided with God were alive. He ends up throwing them in, but these three men, Shadrach, verse 23, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. And this is where I want to land for like a minute. They're still tied up. They're not dead. They're just hanging out in the furnace. You wonder what they did in there. Like, did they play like hopscotch or duck duck goose or like what they it couldn't have been that big maybe it was big i don't know I, I never studied the size of the furnace maybe i should but they're in there just hanging it's like i wonder uh, you know they know at that point that they're totally secure they're safe god has met their step of faith with his faithfulness and this is where it gets interesting the nebuchadnezzar the king who was astounded he was astounded. He was just mad. His faith, facial expressions had just changed. And now he's expecting these men to die so that his pride can be uh, applauded. And he's astounded because he looks into this furnace. And what does homeboy see? He stood up in haste and said to his high officials, was it not three men that were cast into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. Let me break this down for you. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 2, when you walk through the fire, I will be with you. Maybe even maybe in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was referring to this very scenario. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you. This is a very visual example of exactly what Isaiah was saying in Isaiah 43. You will, I will be with you and you will not be burned. Here we have a picture of what happens 
when we step out of faith and oftentimes into the fire, there is a security there with us that isn't with the ones that don't. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's men perished, but they didn't. And Nebuchadnezzar was astounded because you know what? He said, he looked in the fire and he was like, there's four men in there. And we know that fourth man was God. Those of you that are walking through a fire right now and you're saying, I just feel like I'm still going, I'm still trucking, but, but I can feel the heat. Let this picture of these men and this fourth man encourage you. Let me tell you something. When you walk to the, in the fire, there's a security there, and this is why. Because when you walk through the fire, because of your faith, a community called the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, walk in it with you. They don't let you face the fire without them. I'd rather face the fire with the Trinity than be on the outside of the fiery furnace without it. Nebuchadnezzar saw this fourth man and he was astounded. Was there not three men that we threw in? Certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loose and walking around in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. We know he was God himself. When they said, our God's going to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, guess who got a phone call that said, you've got an appointment at a fiery furnace today. Okay. God literally showed himself. Okay. He wasn't with them in spirit. He was with them in bodily form. That is how big of a deal these guys' faith were. They were secure and they knew it. And God was pleased by their faith. And he stepped right in and he showed himself to who? Who did he show himself to? The enemy. The enemy knew. The enemy in Nebuchadnezzar even called it out. I see God with these men. When you step out in faith and the Trinity steps with you, let me tell you something. Those naysayers, they take notice. They see there's something different about this person. They're walking with a, a different step. They're walking in a different way. They're walking with a different confidence. They're walking with a different joy. How is it that we gave them guidance not to step out in faith and they did it and they're still happy about it? The fire isn't licking them. They're going through something, but the fire isn't licking them. Let me tell you something because you walked out in faith and the Trinity met you right there and is securing you. Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace and he responded and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. Let me tell you something. It did not say Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and God came out of the fire. No, 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 no. It said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. God was with the ones who showed faith in the fire. But he was not about to come out and share a room with Nebuchadnezzar's pride. 
You see who he was with and who he refused to be with? Let me tell you something. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you, says the Lord. You will not be burned. Three came out, but four were in. That's how powerful our faith is. God's not going to share a room with someone who's so prideful. But he is so close. So close. So evident to those that step out on faith and face the fire. Ugh, I love this. Almost done. I know this is a longer one, but you know what? I'm rolling. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door. He told him to come out. The satraps, the, the prefects, the governors, the kings, high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect. No effect. No effect. The only, listen, 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 listen. This is so good. The only effect the fire had on the entire region was that it changed Nebuchadnezzar's heart. The fire had absolutely no effect on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, other than the fact that it gave them a really, really great story to tell their kids. But it completely affected Nebuchadnezzar. When you step out in faith and you do something that the common person would not do, and you say, you know what, God, I'm throwing caution to you. I'm saying, God, you're going to be with me. It might not affect you at all because you step step out security with the Trinity, but it will affect those around you when they see that God is with you and when they see the benefit of faith. It didn't affect them, but let me tell you something. It affected him. He completely changed. Had no effect on the bodies of these men. Their hair wasn't singed. Their trousers went damaged. They didn't even smell like fire. But Nebuchadnezzar responded and he was affected. He said this, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Say what? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, do you remember what you just did there, cupcake? Blessed. It affected him. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he proclaimed that everyone should serve God forever. I want to get to my next point. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the shield of faith. It talks about the full armor of God and how you can stand against the intimidation and fear of the enemy. But it talks about the shield of faith. And if you know anything about Roman shields. They were the length of the person's body, the length of the warrior's body. They they would cover their head and they would uh, go all the way down to their feet. They're huge and very heavy. And if you know anything about the shields, they would oftentimes take these shields and soak them in water. Why would they do that? Because the enemy oftentimes would shoot arrows at them that were fiery. So in Ephesians 6, when Paul talks about taking up your shield of faith so that you can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy, I believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were a perfect example of what happens to us when we step out in faith. The Trinity is our shield. 
they were in a fiery furnace. The shield of faith protected them from the fire in that furnace. But the shield of faith affects and protects us today. Taking up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. I want to tell you that the tactics of the enemy can be overcome easily with faith. When you step out in faith, let me just reiterate, you don't step alone. And I don't know what it is that God is asking you to do. I don't know if you're scared, if you're intimidated. I don't know. I don't know any of those things. You know, it's between you and the Lord. But I know what the word of God says. And I've lived what the word of God says. It's one thing knowing the word of God. It's another thing living the word of God. And it might be time for you to live. Live these assurances in scripture that God has given us. And I'm telling you what, your mind's going to be blown by how God shows up. It's incredible to see to me every time I've stepped out in faith and I was terrified. You can, you can be scared and step out in faith, okay? God has walked me right through. So I hope this encourages you. I'll be back right after the break for a question from one of you. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, so we're back from the break and we have an awesome question from one of our male followers out there. So hello, men out there. I love you guys so much. Thanks for joining in. His name is Tyler, and he asked this question, how exactly do I surrender to the Lord? It's a broad question, Tyler. I love it. But I'm going to answer it uh, broadly as well. Uh, the, The scripture tells us anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Literally calling on the name of the Lord. That is how the scripture puts it. But we surrender to the Lord when we understand that God's son, Jesus Christ, was sent to earth to die for our sin on a cross. That's why we uh, celebrate Easter. That's why we remember Good Friday, because that is literally when Jesus Christ, God's only son, 
was sent to earth to really give himself, sacrifice himself for everything that we've done wrong. He never sinned. And he is the bridge that stands between us and heaven. Um, That's one way to do it, to accept Jesus's forgiveness for your sin. So that's one way to do it. Um, if you've already done that and you've already taken that step of faith, you know, I, I surrendered to the Lord and asked the Lord to come into my life and to forgive me when I was in my early twenties and I wanted God to be the Lord of my life. And it was in the middle of the night in a bedroom at the house that I was living in. It was not fancy. It was not special. I didn't, I didn't do anything special. That's one way to surrender to the Lord. But if you've already taken that step. Um, and you feel like you are carrying the weight of the world, it is simply asking the Lord to step in and carry things for you. The benefit of having God as our father is knowing that he fathers us. And I don't mean like physically doing it because clearly you have to go to a job. And if your job is really, really hard, like you still have to go to your job. I mean, mentally and emotionally asking the Lord to relieve you from the pressure of those things that you carry, okay? And asking God to deliver you. So when we surrender, we basically yield our will to God and ask him to come in and take over. It is a trust thing, Tyler. I know that it's hard. But I've done this so many times and sometimes I'll do it um, and I don't even realize how much I'm carrying mentally, emotionally, whatever. And I'll just stop during the day and say, Lord, I cannot carry this. You're going to have to figure this out. One of the prayers I pray all the time is, God, this is not my problem. This is yours because he's my father and he's told me he's going to take care of it and he's in control. Okay. So those are a couple of ways that you can surrender to the Lord. It's a yield of your spirit into God's hands and saying, Lord, whatever you decide, I'm good with. I trust you. Work this out in Jesus name. So I hope this helps you today. I love you guys so much. I will see you next week right back here on the Autumn Mile Show. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. (laughs) 